Oops, uh, patrons, uh, friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and fans of lays everywhere. Uh, you say, well, I love those lays. Uh, and I, oh, no, I was, well, which lays were, who did I make you think of? Uh, like the ones you wear around your neck or the ones, you know, you snack on that come in a tube? Either way, I agree with you, uh, Oh boy, you better wash your mind out with soap. It's but thanks, patrons, for making this silliness possible. It's time for sleep with me. The podcast to put you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep with Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, uh, whether it's uh, thoughts, you know, things on your mind that you've been thinking about. So it could be thoughts, it could be feelings, anything coming up for you uh, emotionally you know, that you're feeling about. So you could be thinking about stuff. Uh, you could be feeling stuff. You could be physical. It could be physical sensations or feelings as well. It could be changes in time or temperature or routine. Whatever it is, uh, it could be something else. You say, Scoots, what about this? I say, well, thanks for letting me know about that. I really, when I get emails like that, I'm serious too. I'm like, whoa, really? I was unaware of that. Or, wow, I didn't experience that, but I could totally relate. That sounds like uh, it's not great for sleep. So whatever it is that's keeping you awake, awake I'd like to take your mind off of that. And what I'm going to do, or what I propose to do, is I'm going to send my voice across. I'm going to try to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. I think I said that part. Then thoughts, feelings, mind, physical sensations. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. I don't know. Sometimes they get mixed up. Sometimes they get mixed up right away. Sometimes they get mixed up early. But uh, what I'll do, really, what I'm here to do is keep you company while you fall asleep. So I'm going to try to create a safe place. I said that repeatedly. I'm going to smooth it. I'm going to pat it. I'm going to rub it down. I'm going to say safe place. I'm going to do some magician hands or like I'm on a game show type hands. Uh, well, it used to be on game shows that maybe we could come back to this, but that people like there would be prizes. Nowadays, most game shows, uh, they're either re- like, like a monetary reward. Well, I'm not sure. I don't really watch a lot of game shows. Uh, uh, so I could be wrong. Usually, and usually I, when I say I could be wrong, I'm usually right. Every time I said I could be wrong, I'm, I was right a hundred percent of the time. Except for the times I was wrong and I was actually right. Uh, And, uh, okay, but so, oh, what I'm going to do is create a safe place, set aside, uh, send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, yet uh, creaky dulcet tones. Oh, so creaky are my dulcet tones. That's like on a game show. They say, how creaky are they, Bob? And Bob would say, well, Scooter, thanks, Scooter. Well, uh, it, uh, I don't know. That, that's usually the game show. They say, well, first you get two. The, there used to be a game show still on. I think Price is right, right? There used to be the big prizes, the showcase showdown or something. A lot of times there's something, at least me, that would have been a little bit, I say, well, I don't have a, a low, like, I don't know if there was like a higher percentage of the population that had lake access and three-card garages in like the 80s. Because it'd be like, well, it's a boat with two jet skis and uh, an ice machine and something else. And you say, okay, uh, I live in an apartment though. and Or, I mean, it, was, it takes place in Los Angeles, right? You say... Yeah, I I live in uh, like uh, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, or shout out to Downey. Oh boy, like uh, did I have a great? I went to a great barbecue in Downey once. So you see, yeah, I mean I have a, a driveway, but I can't really put a boat and two jet skis and my car in it. And they say, tell them what he's we they've won, Bob. Well, I just did, 
And then the, the, the game player was actually, but they haven't even won the showcase showdown and they're objecting to it. Actually, Bob, they're here for a sleep podcast. Not, nothing to do with game show or boats or prizes. Oh, sorry. Cause I'm, oh, so, so, oh, pointless meanders, that superfluous tangents, the, along with my creaky dulcet tones, uh, to take your mind off stuff and keep you company while you fall asleep. So if you're new, I'm really glad you're here, and I really hope I can help you. This podcast does not work for everybody. I just want to tell you that right up, well, right up front. You say, well, so you've been talking, there's 10 minutes into the show. I say, yeah, that's kind of part of the sleep magic we do around here, uh, the sleepy wind-down magic. So um, let's see. Whoa, I sorry, I, got, I forgot what I was going to talk. I mean, I know I always know what I'm going to talk about. So the, the, give the show a few tries. I hope it can work for you. But I'm going to give you some information, too, to help make it easier. Maybe to clarify, you say, oh, this is not the podcast for me, or maybe it is. So a couple of things that, 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 first of all, if you're skeptical or doubtful, that's totally normal. Because all of us that have trouble sleeping have tried a bunch of stuff. And you say, well, I don't like that. doesn't work for me. Got on my nerves. So I understand your skepticism. So that's one part. Then, uh, let's see, the other parts. Um, okay, so show, uh, other things that can throw new listeners off is, one, the fact I never get to the point and repeat myself, and that this isn't really a podcast you pay attention to or listen to. It's a kind of a podcast you barely you pay attention to. Kind of like on a game show, like sometimes like you'd say, well, I'm going to pay, like if it's a game you're interested in, you say, oh boy, or a game you feel like you participate in, you say, oh boy, I'm going to pay attention. But then when they do a game, like they had this one game on The Price is Right, I don't know if they still have it, uh, because I haven't stayed home from school in a long time, and that would be my prime time to watch that, uh. But they had this thing, it was like yodeling to prices, yodeling up the mountain to prices. And I don't know how it was played, but there was a like a like a wooden yodeler who was climbing a mountain. And you had to figure something out. You say, oh, it ends in 0.09. The can of Campbell's soup is uh, over $2, but less than 4 And they'd say, yodel a he who, and somehow you'd win. So that one I probably wouldn't be paying attention to just because it was, uh, but there might have been other games where you say, like, um, where you say, I'm not, I'm going to, you you know, I'm going to go fix myself a uh, a can of Campbell's soup or something uh, because you, you say, well, uh, during that, before the commercial. And that's what this podcast is kind of like all the time. You say, well, I'm going to kind of close my eyes and barely listen to Scoots because he's talking about something that I just don't, I I almost understand, but I don't quite understand it. And I can't believe he's waited this long to say how much he loves uh, Wayne Brady as host of, uh, oh, some part of my brain said Wayne Brady's not the host of Wheel of Fortune. But I say, well, that's unfortunate. It may be Drew Carey then. If it's not Wayne Brady, Wayne Brady, uh, are you sure it's not Wayne Brady? I mean, that's what I, like, uh, like, why, what if, well, could they host that show together? Uh, I think Drew Carey did host it. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, where was I? Um, oh, oh, you don't really need to listen to me. There you go. I pointed the head out. Just don't, just barely pay me any mind. This is also a podcast that doesn't really put you to sleep. I'm here to keep you company while you fall asleep. That's why the episodes are over an hour to give you plenty of time to drift off. And so you can fall, kind of fall asleep whenever you feel like it. I'm here to keep you company. Or if you wake up or if you can't sleep, I'll be here. I'm here to be your boar bay, your boar buzz, your boar buzz, bud. Boar best. Maybe I'll give you a boar buzz. Or if you're having a boar buzz, you know, I can help ease you into bedtime. So that's the thing. I'm here to keep you company while you fall asleep. And if you can't sleep, I'm here to keep you company too. The other thing that throws people off is the structure of the show. And it's just hard figuring out a sleep podcast that could be free and help the most amount of people. Uh, so some people adapt to the show in their own ways, 
But in order to be here twice a week, this is how we kind of work, got to the structure we're at now. Show starts off with a greeting, so you feel welcome and seen. Then there's uh, listener support and business for the show. And then there's uh, the, the, the intro, which is like around 12 to 20 minutes. And that's a big part of the show. It's a show within a show. We're within the intro right now. And that gives you some distance between your daytime and your nighttime. It eases you into bedtime. Or for a lot of listeners, it's part of their wind down routine. And I guess as you become a normal listener, because I see people say, well, I start the show 20 minutes or I start the show 12 minutes. Or, and I say, well, okay, you could do that. But I, I don't know. I really designed the show in a way. I say, okay, we're going to ease you into bedtime. So by time, by the time we get to 20 minutes or 30 minutes in the show, we start, we're in the bedtime story part and you're drifting off or, you know, I, I ideally sound asleep. But if you're not, I'm here to keep you company. If you fall asleep early, I'm here. But that's just kind of how it's very adaptable. A few percentage of people start the show around 20 minutes. There's people on Patreon that just listen to intros and people that just listen to story-only episodes, so it's kind of interesting. So that's the intro. Then there's business between the intro and the show. Again, that's how I'm able to be here for you. And then there's our bedtime story. And tonight will be looking at an episode of uh, Star Trek TNG, but in a very indirect and over-detailed way. So if you've never seen it before or you've you know seen it a thousand times, you say, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Sounds like a bedtime story about the, 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 the android that couldn't tell the truth but wanted to, but didn't want to tell the truth because they did like, uh, because of the, pro, you know, that's what this episode, you say, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. So that's how, that's the structure of the show. The reason I make the show is twofold. One, I've been there, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting asleep, trouble staying asleep. So I know how it feels, and I'd like to help. And the other reason is you deserve a good night's sleep. If I can help with that, it would be my honor. Because one, I know how it feels, but two, if you get some rest, your world's going to be a better place. Our world's going to be a better place. It'd be my honor to, to help with that. To be a part of that. Uh, that's really what I believe. And uh, I think that's it. I'm really glad you came by. Like I said, give the show a few tries. Hundreds of thousands of people have said, took two or three tries before it wasn't getting on my nerves. Uh, and I realized, oh, you just fall asleep to it. Never get started. It just kind of always is halfway running. So that's it. I'm glad you're here. I really work hard. I yearn and I strive, and I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Thanks again for coming by. Here's a couple of ways I'm able to be here for you twice a week. All right, everybody, it's Scoots here. We're talking Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 14, Clues. And I pretty much watched this video on some suggestions, but just because Guinan it was on the holodeck, he said, wait a second, Guinan's going to be on the holodeck as a part of uh, like a Dixon Hill mystery. Here's the one thing. If I had a holodeck, some Charlotte had asked me this on a, a Facebook uh, AMA or a, a Patreon AMA. Now that I think about it, here's what I'd do if I had a holodeck. Well, either way, I would either have Guinan uh, go to Disney World on the, hol the holiday season with Whoopi Goldberg or to have Whoopi Goldberg go to the, uh, like, as part of a new holiday special because she's a big fan. I don't know if you've seen her Disney special, but I would have uh, Whoopi Gold. I think I'd better if Whoopi was explaining to Guinan what Disney World, like, I, I would watch that probably every day of the rest of my life. I mean, if I could be there in person, that'd be even better. Not, not participating though. Maybe just standing off to the side or working there and being like, Oh, ginger, you don't know what a gingerbread shingle is. Well, thanks Whoopi. Let me hold it here for you. Like, uh, like, uh, like I'm like, uh, you know what I'm saying? So you say, Scoots, what are you talking? Disney's decorating magic or something? I think that might be what it was called. Um, 
I'm, I, I guess I feel like I'm doing a live show because I'm waiting for parts of my brain to respond and be like, oh, of course, Scoots, I know what that show is. I said, weren't you watching it with me? Don't you live inside my brain? Doesn't that sound appealing to you, Guinan and Whoopi together at the Grand Floridian Hotel lobby or other places like interviewing cast members? Oh, you're here for Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. All right, well, you just said someone, I mean, I thought, like, you wondered about my, okay, so we were, yeah, we're here. The Enterprise crosses the screen from, uh, starts on the bottom left side of the screen, crosses towards the center. I've decided to attempt to start keeping track of that. And we'll do our new style. So it starts off with Worf teaching a Tai Chi, like a Tai Chi-esque class. Uh, then we have uh, Beverly Crusher working on plants, question mark, like grammar school with the paper towels. So this is something you used to do in grammar school in the 1980s. And this is going to take a lot of explanation, so it's perfect for a sleep podcast. So a couple of things, if you didn't live in the 1980s, uh, totally cool. I mean, it was radical, as they say. Uh, but... Uh, so you've you probably heard me talk about it, maybe not recently. There used to be this thing, and I know this explaining this might sound ridiculous to some people, but it's really not. This is what being, being open to all our listeners means. It's also fun explaining this. So once upon a time, when you went to one of these stores, uh, like in, in most kinds, like here's the ones I'm thinking of, Kmart, Phase, which was our drugstore, Probably the supermarket, but usually you, your parents were in a hurry at the supermarket. So it was a different relational shopping experience and other store, stores. But let's just stick with Kmart and Phase Drugs, which was the two places where I had the most experience with these machines. There was machines. Now, there was a traditional penny, and then it became a nickel, then it became a dime. Then now it's a quarter to get some gum. But there was also machines that were usually a quarter where you could get a small toy or a sticker, usually like a ring, like a ring that like uh, you would get this kind of stuff you'd get at a birthday party giveaways. Or when you go to that, uh, actually the exact same stuff they give you. My daughter only had one bouncy house birthday party at the bouncy house birthday party place. And everyone got a bag of things, like little gifts as a part of the package or whatever. And those were the kind of things you would get out of the 25-cent thing. But it would came in this plastic capsule, which I'm surprised. Here's entrepreneurs out there. Find out where there's uh, unused of these empty capsules and buy them and use them, like repurpose them. But one way we would repurpose them in science class was that uh, you'd take a piece of, and I don't know what plant we were growing, and I actually have attempted this at home, and I've never successfully germinated a seed this way, but it always worked in science class. You'd take a wet piece of paper, paper towel, you'd put a seed on it, then you'd put it inside this capsule, and it was like its own, um, what is that thing called, a greenhouse or whatever? and. It was where, you know, I guess I didn't learn anything. I, yeah, I did. I learned about repurposing things. Uh, so it was actually, unintentionally, they taught us one of the more important lessons. Maybe it was on purpose. I just wasn't paying attention to that part. But it was like, talk about an environmental lesson. Don't throw these uh, plastic capsules out. Let's reuse them to create nature or whatever, foster nature on on, on its way. But so Beverly Crusher is using something like that to make some sort of plants. It looks like uh, sunglasses. Oh, boy. So then we have uh, Guinan, and she has sunglasses on. She's chewing gum, and she has a cigarette on a long cigarette holder, and she's dressed up. And she says she's Gloria from Cleveland. She's at Dixon Hill's office. We'll go through the dialogue soon. But she closes her glasses with this flourishing snap uh, radar. I don't know. Oh, radio on the desk. Look, hon. Don't the don't take it personal. Two ten stockings. There's a lady, Gloria. 
Oh, and I put for comedy three X. This is a very comedic sequence. Uh, this is like the, oh, this is the op. This whole sequence is also like, um, it was very cool. This is an episode, one of those episodes that you could probably, you're probably better off watching three times because you learn, there's so many gems, but then you can really appreciate the acting on the second or third time even more. Uh, just trust me. But this sequence between Gloria and, um, uh, eventually I'll know the, the Dixon Hills assistant, uh, it's like the opposite. It teaches you improvisation, but the opposite way. Because instead of saying yes, they say no to everything, the two characters. And I just thought it was a cool, like a, a little exercise to watch. Uh, you say, is it daytime? No. I mean, this doesn't actually happen. No, it's nighttime. Oh, but I'm looking out the window and it's daytime. That's not a window. It's a movie screen. So that's kind of like what it is. Da, da. Lights out. Uh, she walks by, busted. Yeah, sound effects. Uh, Tommy. Action or else. Uh, from outside. Oh, big music. Oh, there's a so. Uh, so during the action sequence in Dixon Hill's office, Gloria. A guy named Ashley WTF's Picard. It was one of, like, a total W, like, uh, it was so good. She really says, she, I mean, she doesn't use those words, but uh, she says, what are you doing, man? This is what you do for fun. And then the comedy gets better because he is so happy. He's like, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, but then call, Picard gets a call. What does that say? Mod her hand. Uh, Madeline, Madeline. Oh, that's his assistant, Madeline. Less intrusive data. Uh, foot up. Oh, when data's on the data's calling from the bridge, his foot ups like he has his knee up, like sometimes Riker does. And he's leaning at his foot's up on a console, and he's leaning on his knee. Pushed Hal off. Twenty uh, fourth celery. Mystery Koran. No, no. I have no idea what any of that is. Uh, Picard hat off. Uh, 24th uh, century mystery. Okay. Carry on. No, no. Then we're on the bridge. A hole. A wormhole, Captain. Data looks, moves enough. Uh, everybody falls asleep and the episode opens. So, okay, yeah, it's, it's start at 445-027.7, seven plus people in Worf's class, or maybe just Worf's the leader, and then we see Beverly working on her plants. She's putting in some sort of machine, very, uh, she's very focused. And we have Dixon Hill, Private Eye. 210, is that his office? If it's 210, my mind is blown because that was my childhood address. Oh, no, 312. So he's on the third floor, just in case. Uh, and now we have Gloria, Gloria from Cleveland. The office is very well, great set. It has a fan, typewriter, pen, different pencils at different lengths. One, two, three, four pencils, photos and paintings on the wall. The clock's at 2.10. We learn about uh, Guinan struggled to figure out what, uh, like, a stocking garter situation. I said, no, I would have had problems, too. Uh, she's got a great, what is it, a teal uh, jacket dress on. Oh, no, it's a two-piece, so it's a jacket with a, a dress. Yeah, I guess that's... Her skirt, I don't know, like, uh, she's got gloves, jewels. Uh, Madeline's wearing an outfit. She has a sweater on over, like, a cute, like, a, uh, like, a, like this, uh, like, thing that looks like she's about to go to an 80s dance club. But she has a sweater over it, so then it tones it down. But if she took her sweater off, it has, uh, like, a yellow and red with squares. I see what is, I think I had that shirt when I was in like fourth grade. And I used to put a lot of hair gel in. 
Oh, no, that was when I still had a bowl cut, but I wish I would have. But, you know, the kids in the high C commercials, they had a hair gel in. Gloria walks by into the private office. We got somebody in there. Picard's playing along. He he goes in and out of character. Uh, refers to Gloria from Cleveland as his cousin. Sorry about this. Uh, didn't mean to get you involved. She knows nothing about this, Johnny. And Gloria's like, uh, her guy is still learning. There's even comedy with them raising their hands. Uh, they just got that for the first time. And then uh, starting to tease out the Dixon Hill mystery, which kind of sets up the broader thematics of this episode, but it's actually not contained. None of it is actually a uh, holiday. This isn't a holodeck episode. So now they're on the floor, and then she says, What are you doing, man? And he says, this is what I love doing. It's a mystery. We got the clues, and now we have to solve it. And then she's like, uh, you know, when you call it like, she's like, wow, uh, I really don't understand you, but I love being your friend, more or less. Uh, And I love your enthusiasm, but uh, I don't share it, but I, I appreciate it. Like her mouth, like she goes, this is fun for you? He goes, oh, boy, is it fun. Then he goes to the window to look for the next clue. This was like an escape room before escape rooms, I guess. Uh, he would Picard would love escape. I mean, it, it, like he probably could. He could imagine it. Shakespearean escape room with Jean Luc Picard. All right, Madeline. He gets a call. It's Data. Like breaks. He goes. I thought it'd be less intrusive if I called you versus just you know PA'd you. And he goes, thanks, what's up? Uh, we got a weird planet coming up, uh, Titari Star, in a Nagami cloud. Nothing unusual about that now, but there's a single M-class planet. Uh, so he goes, that is unusual. Highly, sir. Thank you, Data. Let's uh, investigate according procedure. Recall the crew, set a course. And he says, sorry, uh, Gloria, 24th century mystery I got to investigate. Uh, he goes, you want to carry on here? She goes, did you hear me say we have to, like, uh, no, I've had enough of this uh, fun for today. And then Guinan goes off, which, like, I think this is the last time she appears, or they appear. Uh, then we're on the bridge. The talk, data's talking about it. Then he said, "Then some formulates something weird. Hole, wormhole. First, it disappeared. Uh, small, unstable. Been mapped before on uh, thirty-nine Tari systems before." Breaker says, "Let's get out of here." Okay. And then they get wormholed. And everybody falls asleep, and then that episode opens, uh, and we start to get clues right away. They're asleep, they wake up. Data's helping everybody wake up, because he did not fall asleep. Uh, there's some good off-main-screen acting uh, from some of the main players. Uh, something Data, too much in- Oh, Data tries to give info, and Picard goes, that's good enough, Data, because he goes on and on and on. Oh, I did write down that I was going to try to keep a, a, how many H-E double hockey sticks get said in this episode, but I didn't. I don't know if this was the only one. You got to reset the clock. Just like the uh, enter- turns out the Enterprise, what do the Enterprise and the microwave have in common? If they lose power, you got to reset the clock. Uh, then Crusher calls in for info. Oh, this was interesting. She calls the bridge. She's like, everything all right up there? She goes, is everyone all right up there, actually? And Picard goes, everything's fine on the bridge. Uh, but I was like, that isn't what she asked. She says, is everybody okay? Uh, then uh, uh, all of the ship's okay. Then Troy's got to, like, uh, her, she puts her head in her hand. She takes a breath. Uh, she says, yeah, my, this, my head's bother, bothering me. Uh, 
uh, and lost. They say, well, what's wrong? She goes, I don't know. I lost focus for a second, uh, but I'm okay now. Let's see. Nothing so serious. So LaForge here. Jordy calls. Everything's fine. Worf says everything's fine with his end. Uh, is counselor, you okay? Yeah, just out of focus or something. Um, and she goes, it'll pass. Not too bad, all things considered. Uh, lucky we didn't end up halfway across the galaxy. And Data goes, Data Droid explains. He goes, that was an impossibility. Small wormhole. Short period. Local phenomenon. They go, what about this M-class planet? Uh, should we go back? Data goes, no, too unpredictable. We could launch a probe. Guard goes, okay, make it so. Launch the probe. Then we get a cool special effect of the probe launching, which I don't know if we've necessarily seen before. Then um, O'Brien's got an elbow hurt, and uh, he's with uh, Dr. Crusher. He was hanging plants when the, everybody fell asleep. Um, like, this is a bit strange to say, but I, I like. Uh, with the chief's curly hair, I'd never seen his ears before, and I almost felt like he, he has nearly elven ears. And I don't know. I'm not saying it in a goof way. Like I just said, when, like his ears, were, like were almost elven. Uh, they're not. They're not elven, but they, I don't know. It just made. Me, I just wrote it down because I thought of it. Uh, Beverly's plants have fully grown. Oh, also he has sharp sideburns. Uh, and she goes, Alyssa. Is that uh, her, uh, the other, one of the other doctors or physicians? Uh, and uh, Beverly's stressed. She goes, you didn't by chance touch any of my stuff, did you? I said, holy passive question. She goes, doctor, no, we would never, I would never touch any of your stuff. Uh, sorry, Alyssa, just in case you did touch my stuff. Uh, so I said, wow, that's some work tension there. Then they're on the bridge. Titari, we got a video of it from the probe. Uh, Wait a second, it's not a class M planet, it's a helium uh, hydrogen planet, uh, frozen. Riker goes, well, no, wait, it was an M class though. He goes, why did we say one thing, Data? It's wormhole messed up our readings, I guess. Uh, interference, probably. Not a M class planet. But you can't get it by. I mean, these. here's the thing. Um, I remember the first time, and again, sometimes people get, like, this is just, like, the facts and part of growing up for me. And the fact that there's different kinds of intelligence. Uh, and one of the things I like about Star Trek is that Picard and Riker, they're not, um, they're much more intelligent than me. And uh, that's sometimes what you like in a leader, like, or most of the time, I guess you'd want that in a leader. And, you know, it's sometimes, now some people are just more intelligent or more intellectual or they have a better cognitive ability to uh, remember stuff and and put it together. Like, and other people have different skills, right? You know, I'm good at this. So it doesn't mean it's a blessing. It's just an alternative to, but I remember the first time, like, I realized that there was people that were, had a much stronger intellect than me that were the same, you know, in my, that were in my peer group. And it was both humbling and impressive. Like, like, uh, I remember the first time, uh, was it like in a cohort, I guess, kind of type situation. And she was my age and she was presenting this, uh, theory about something. And the way she'd explained it and the depth of her thinking, like was like literally was beyond my cognitive ability, but and she was able to then reformulate her thoughts and then present them to me and other people, and it was just humbling because I said, "Wow, like your ability to conceptualize, understand," and there's other words again. This is but an example of it, like uh, to distill and process the information and then change it around and represent it. Uh, but even to grasp those concepts that she was kind of grasping and, and intellectualizing was well beyond mine. Now, this episode, you see that uh, 
the power of this in leadership of, of uh, and why Starfleet and Enterprise in particular, even in the last episode, they said this is one of the hardest ships to get an assignment on. When you have many people, so you have Crusher, you have Riker, you have Picard, and then you have Geordi, Worf, and Troy, all, uh, and I guess they all have different subspecialties, uh, and maybe varying degrees of this, this intellect, uh, but you see it right playing out right now because, uh, with Riker says, uh, hey, uh, well, don't you think it's a little specific, uh, and Riker says, that's, yeah, censor would give a specific misreading. I don't buy it. Uh, time space disturbance wouldn't have caught, would have caused more confusion. Uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't compute. Data tries to collect him. Maybe we should survive, survey other stuff, but it would take like six days. Here goes, nah, no time for that. Minor mystery. One that has been solved to my satisfaction, unless there's an objection, number one. We better get moving. First striker says no objection. And then we see Data go back to his work, but uh, there is a zoom on his face that's intentional and some great acting if you rewatch it. Then Picard's in his ready room, and Beverly comes in, Beverly, Dr. Beverly Crusher. She says, I got a minor mystery. And he goes, minor mystery? That's a recurring face. And then she has her plants. Domidian Scarlet Moss. Didn't know you were an ethnobotanist. She goes, it's a hobby. Because this is an impressive crop, uh, not easy to cultivate. And she goes, yeah, gets weirder than that. These are, were spores yesterday, or maybe an hour ago. Oh, no, 30 seconds ago or something. Uh, she goes, this is at least a full day's growth. Uh, Picard goes, maybe something weird, fast growth. She goes, no, these are all different strains, uh, all from different sources, and they grew at the same rate. A uh, dozen more in the lab. Maybe one of them, but it doesn't make sense again. So you see Riker, then Dr. Crusher. Picard says, we weren't asleep for everything. All the computers say we were only asleep for 30 seconds. Chronometer, doctor, data. She goes, Jean-Luc, this is 24 hours growth. Um, this is coming from, this is my hobby, ethnobotany. Or ethnobotany. Picard thinks, hmm, whoa. I've been presented with two things. Am I on, am I on clues? Then we come back, Captain's Log, Picard's staring at the, oh no, Picard's staring at the plants. Then he's, so he's staring at the plants in the conference room. Uh, Data's making a Pell Underhill uh, theory. Major disruption in time community compensated by trillions of counter-reactions. Uh, maybe that's what happened. And, uh, the, you know, on the other side of the wormhole. And Jordy uh, goes, that's about, not about, that theory wasn't about that. Uh, it goes, but it could be, could be applied here, given the proper conditions. And uh, here it goes, thanks, Data. Intriguing. And he goes, we got a tempest in a test tube, maybe. And he goes, Data, you, Mr. Nelson needed you to help him fix the sensor. Can you leave so we can talk about you behind your back? Uh, deck 36. And Data says, as you wish. Uh, and they were like, oh, wait for him to leave. Uh, even Picard. You think Picard would be like, we're going to talk about you behind your back. Uh, but he goes, do you believe him? And Jordy goes, again, another. He goes, dude, there's no way that theory, that's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for Data. No way you could connect that theory. Or says, what are you suggesting? Picard goes, no idea. Never known Data lie, but... Uh, he goes, I don't know what's happening. What's going on? Everybody's thinking, Jordy's like, why didn't our beards grow then? I say, I would have never thought of that either. Uh, they go, well, maybe it's a cover-up. Uh, they say, maybe Data's malfunctioning. Could be he's telling the truth. Uh, and this is all a minor mystery. And Jordy goes, let's check the clock, uh, see if it was tampered with. Uh, 
then uh, Crusher says, wait a second, we could do, I could do something with a transporter, trace analysis, something. So they say, okay, well, now we're all sleuthing at this. Uh, we don't want him to think we're suspicious. So then Data's working, helping uh, do the scan. Uh, Jordy comes down. He's very jocular in this one. Uh, and they say, okay, everything looks good. Data says, everything looks good. We're just checking the neutrino particle detectors. Jordy goes, great, I'll take over now. You got to go back to the bridge. He goes, okay. And he says, 10 forward later. Data just heads off. Jordy gets a stress look. He goes, Nelson, I got to check some stuff. I need you to help. Uh, then Detective uh, Crusher goes and meets with uh, uh, O'Brien, who was the last person to use a transporter. But when Data was presenting his hypothesis earlier, his hand, I liked how his hands were folded. Jordy Underhill was talking energy, intriguing. Look, so then they do their uh, thing. Uh, in, Inspector Crusher, she goes, the turgid pressure's off. Check the electrolytes. Uh, there's a deviation from what it should have been. Both of their deviations are in the same 10 to 12 standard deviation or something from what it should have been with the thing. So she goes, uh, like, uh, let's meet up. I got a report uh, from my clue collecting. Then she explains it to Picard while they're walking. We all have 24-hour rhythms. Picard goes, yeah, our internal clock. We can measure that. Uh, and she goes, they took a trace from the transporter and compared it to a uh, cell function in somebody, somebody they, the last person to use it. If it was only 30 seconds, uh, they should have been synchronous. But uh, they were off. Uh, Way longer than 30 seconds, Captain. A lot longer. She puts her hands in her pockets. That's how serious she is. And Picard doesn't even answer. They both get a look. Uh, then Jordy goes, good news, bad news. Good news is computer was tampered with. Uh, uh, security system was turned off. New program put in place. This clock was reset. And they go, the bad news, the only people that can change it are me and Data, or Data and I. And then they go, dun, dun, dun. Then they're interviewing Data. He goes, it's a mystery. Really high-quality acting from this point on. Understatement, Data. Mystery. Something or someone's, uh, is, are you being affected by something? Data goes, I'm unable to, now it's like a little bit of a game, like one of those games where you say, can you answer the question? I, I'm not able to, I'm not able, and they say, you just answered my question. And they go, well, let Jordy look at you. And he goes, well, I know how to get there. Card looks very uncomfortable and intrigued. Another Zoom, long hold, and then it goes to him. No beards, let me just see here. Crushers on the case, 12.5 electrolytes. Uh, she explains Picard, out along, good news, bad news, data interview, zoom on Picard. Then the Enterprise goes from the top left to the middle of the screen. Um, so Picard, what does that say? Siege. Oh, Captain's Log Supplemental. They have data's head, doubts about data, won't hurt. That's a figure of speech. Uh, something, bedside manner, I'm perfectly comfortable. You seem a bit uncomfortable, Jordy. Oh, they, everyone aboard the Enterprise, according to the captain's log, uh, lost an entire day. As the mystery of what occurred during those hours deepens, uh, so do my doubts about data. Uh, I'm your friend. Oh, that's what George, George tries the old friend thing on him. Uh, and Data's face. So again, you get this great, this one really holds up well. A couple, multiple watches, holy. Pattern recognition, everything's normal in your brain, heuristic. Uh, uh, so, I don't know. Jordy, are you uncomfortable? Yeah, Data. I thought we were best friends, but you're not on being honest. Uh, 
If there's something wrong, maybe I could help you. Data goes, I cannot tell you anything beyond what I've stated according to the rules of this game. And Jordy's hurt and annoyed. And Data turns back towards the camera. Then Jordy goes on the bridge, uh, says, I got to talk to Picard one-on-one, but everybody else can work like near everybody. Nothing wrong with him technologically that I can see. He's in perfect condition. Picard goes, I was hoping you'd find something. Jordy goes, it could be beyond my capabilities to detect something, but uh, mystery started when we that class M planet, right? And our sensors malfunctioned. Uh, they go, but data launched the probe. Uh, Jordy, could you look into that too? I'm on it. Uh, Ricard goes, what happened during that day? Really, this episode turns like very few episodes I've ever seen uh, in a few minutes. Uh, what happened before we fell asleep? Uh, then Troy kind of has this moment uh, where she says, hey, I'm, i got to lie down. I'm feeling lightheaded. And uh, I don't know, I just really was impressed by how much of a right turn this episode takes. Uh, and they, they go, you sure you don't want to see Dr. Crusher? She goes, no, fine. Guard goes, Worf, walk with uh, Council Troy. So they head uh, towards her quarters, and he drops her off. She goes, oh, thanks, thanks for coming with me, Mr. Worf. Uh, you certain, he goes, you certain you're well? She goes, yeah, I just need some rest. But as soon as her door closes, she's like, uh, sounds like there's like a surprise party going on in her room. And Worf goes, is there a surprise party I wasn't invited to? And he goes, like, uh, I better go in and check. Uh, and he goes in and he's like, Counselor Troy, is there a surprise party in here? She goes, no, uh, but it seemed like there was like uh she goes, I was surprised, so, like, there was a surprise party in my mirror. And he goes, well, like, you're like, and she goes, yeah, like a surprise party. But he said, surprise, happy birthday, but it's not my birthday. And so she goes, that was very surprising. And he goes, yeah, I can see that. Uh, and then she goes to the med bay. They go, yeah, high adrenaline, uh, but normal reaction. If somebody was, if you were having a party. And it was a surprise. Of course, you'd have some ad- adrenal reaction. They go, what is it? And she goes, I just felt like, uh, she goes, I didn't see a surprise party. I felt a surprise party in the mirror. And um, she goes, I don't know. Very strange. Uh, and then Jordy calls. He's like, I got some more information. And Picard goes, I'm on my way. And now the clues start coming faster. Worf goes to Med Bay. And he says, my, I have a wrist ache. Uh, and he tries to get away with not getting inspected. But uh, Dr. Crusher says, uh, what's going on? He goes, well, I wouldn't normally ask for me, but anything out of the ordinary, we're supposed to be investigating. And he goes, I guess my wrist has to be investigated. So she investigates his wrist and she goes, oh, wait a second. Yeah, you... Uh, she goes, it was like you strained your wrist a little. He goes, huh. Then we have Data, Jordy, and Picard looking at a planet. Uh, they go, you recognize this? Uh, and they go, like, uh, Data goes, yeah, that's what the probe saw. And then Jordy comes out of nowhere. He goes, no, that's not what the probe saw. That was a JPEG you downloaded. And you put it on screen, and we all fell for it. Uh, not a real thing. Uh, and so Picard interviews Data again. Data's staring. His eyes do not blink. Data, did you, is this a JPEG from Ship's Library that you put inside the probe? He goes, I can't verify that. And he goes, do you deny it? Can't deny it either. Picard uh, goes, Jordy, send out another probe. Jordy's uh, hand was on his hip and he was leaning. And he's like, man, I'm sorry, Data. This is... Uh, Interesting sculpture. I don't know if they're in Data's room, but he has like a bird, like a uh, bird sculpture. And he goes, something's going on with Troy. And Data goes, is she all right? He goes, Picard goes, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
Is that related to this? Or the missing time period? Data goes, I cannot confirm or deny it. Because uh, you're the key to this mystery. And you're blocking my attempts to solve it. Why? Not by choice, Data says. Because what do you mean? Can't say. He goes, are you trying? He goes, what about Troy? What about guilting you? He goes, you can't guilt me because I'm trying to help everybody on the crew, not just one person. He goes, uh, and the guy says, you're doing that? And he goes, no, no, no. I just hypothetically raising a hypothetical, maybe a possible alternative explanation. He goes, data, I'm asking you again. Uh, what in the heck is going on, man? He goes, I order you to answer me. What happened? Uh, Data goes, can't answer that. Card's exasperated. He goes, Data, you're going to have, he goes, what would you have me do if the positions were reversed? I like how Data pauses and thinks on this one, moves his eyes. He goes, I guess you got to follow protocol, uh. He goes, interfered, falsified. I may have disobeyed a direct order. Oh, that's weird, Picard, uh, but uh, your duty seems clear. Picard goes, that would mean you'd be, uh, you know, you wouldn't be plugged in to be recharged. uh, And you'd be, you know, you wouldn't be a Starfleet officer. Data goes, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, like, really think about it then. If I'm willing to do that... uh, you should really think on that because that's what I'm willing to do. Card takes a breath. We go to commercial. Uh, then we go back. Uh, we go to uh, Troy, Worf, and uh, Picard. And uh, or, or Dr. Crusher, Worf, and Picard. She goes, he, he twisted his wrist. Uh, and it got, he also even got, uh, he even got iced. Uh, and they go, when? And she goes, during that 24 hours, I guess, because I didn't, we have all our ices stocked, uh, except for one. So it did get used, but nobody, I, she goes, I signed it out probably. And Worf goes, I don't know how I would twist my wrist, except, uh, because if, because one time, you know, when Data and I play Thumb Wars, one, two, three, four, I declare a Thumb War. He goes, that's the only person that could have done it. And Picard goes, maybe. But he goes, I think Data is, uh, thinks he's acting in good faith in the best interest of the Enterprise. And Jordy calls again. We're going back, the probe's going back to the other planet. And let's go. He goes, okay, now we're going to get some answers. They all go to the bridge. So we got our whole team now. Not, not Troy, though. Okay, they say we got a planet, M class planet. That's the one. A so-called wormhole, affirmative, uh, no time-space distortion, probably should see something, even if the wormhole's gone. Cargus, there is no wormhole. Never was. Riker goes, what? It was a ruse designed to throw us off the track. Clever ruse. Uh, Crusher's incubation experiment, the computer clock. uh, There's a missing day somewhere. And uh, he goes, I think we were around for it uh, and function, fully functioning, even though we don't remember it. Uh, maybe something else was going on. Uh, and Crusher goes, well, we must have been successful. He goes, not necessarily. Data's behavior would say we weren't successful. Why would he sacrifice his career rather than tell the truth? And then Worf uh, investigates. He says, well, it could be stalemate. Uh, Compromise could have been reached, Picard says, uh, the force data, be quiet. And then Riker says, well, okay, then we're upsetting the stalemate by investigating. Maybe we should leave it alone, but uh, we can't because now we know about it and we have to be able to trust data. So he goes, Ensign, take us back to the scene of the mystery. Titari system work two. So they go back. Uh, they're in sensor range. They drop to impulse, put up the shields, and energy field shows up, a green one, green screw, like a green smoke uh, between them and the planet. They hold position. It shoots one thing, an energy pulse, uh, 
that approaches the Enterprise. Then they cut to uh, Troy sleeping. She has sparkly bed sheets, uh, and she's sleeping, and the green smoke goes and visits her. And uh, at first they're like, hey, nothing happened, just a strange energy pulse. Uh, but she sleeps on her back with her head up. Uh, she wakes up as a, a green smoke uh, kind of talks to her. It's a surprise. It's like like a surprise party balloons. Uh, and she goes, and then she, Data's in his office. Troy comes in. He goes, Counselor Troy. And she's got this like auto-tune thing where she says, plan failed. She's singing an auto-tune. Because you've, you've returned, your ship's uh, in our space uh, again. Data goes, I couldn't stop it. She goes, here you are. He goes, the Enterprise isn't, we're not here to make trouble. Give me more time. Then Jordy comes in, goes, everybody, we got to get to the bridge. And Data goes, we're having a moment here. And he goes, please, uh, don't do anything. Just give me uh, some time to salvage the situation. And the, the Troy green smoke person, they take a breath. Data goes to the bridge. He goes, reporting. Guard's shoulders are tense. He says, uh, we're back where it all started, Data. M-class planet, green smoke. Data goes, we got to get out of here. Guard goes, why? Data goes, it's risky. Why? What is the source of that? Uh, energy field? Data goes, I cannot say. Guard goes, Data, you're in like some sort of feedback loop. He goes, you can say. You have free will. You have a choice. Uh, my silence is not by choice, and Picard goes, not by choice, uh, by the, the smoke. Uh, did Jordy miss something? Picard's getting annoyed. He goes, Jordy did his job. Uh, why are you disobeying my orders? Uh, and then Picard figures it out. Oh, my orders. Uh, during the missing day, he goes, did you contact Starfleet? Did they order you to conceal this truth from us? Data goes, I cannot answer that. Uh, we must leave. Uh, because it's not going anywhere until I get an answer. He goes, who gave you that order? Oh, this is when he figures it out. Who gave you that order? Then Troy, Troy Bot, one thought, Troy, Troy Bot and Auto-Tune comes on. She's got this look on her face. And then Data goes, gulp. Uh, and he goes, you gave the order, Jean-Luc. He doesn't say Jean-Luc. Then we go to a commercial. Guard goes, I ordered you to lie. And then they go, the energy field's coming towards us. Uh, and Riker goes, oh boy, full intent, full shields. Data goes, no, very sealed shape, shape and strength as rapidly as possible. Don't do max shields. Guard goes, do as Data says. And then the shield blocks the green smoke. Uh, but it's shifting amplitude to match our shields. Energy field will penetrate soon, Data says. It's the Paxons technology. Say Paxons? Say what? Uh, who, who are they? And then uh, Data turns towards Troy, Troy, Troy Autotune. She says, you've invaded our system in Autotune. Worf gets bent. They say, Worf, hold on. And Picard goes, we're not invaders. We're explorers. Uh, and Troy Autotune says, uh, unacceptable. Data says, they're isolationists, sir. They terraformed a protoplanet, and they want to be left alone and hide out. Uh, wormhole was just uh, something to keep people away from them. Energy field stuns everybody. Biochemical stasis. Oh, that's why we don't have beards, Jordy says. Uh, that, was his main, that was his mystery. Jordy, in the case of the missing beard, uh, they said, yeah, then usually you wake up and you just leave. Uh, but my positronic brain was unknown to the Paxons. And then that's when Troy, Troy says, you know, he's conscious. Uh, so when we tried to move you back, uh, uh, and then they, we do a flashback with everybody's asleep. Data's trying to get everything ZZ alphaed. Everybody else is sleeping. He get, he follows proper procedure, puts the shield up, but then the shield's getting penetrated. 
He does this random fluctuation, and uh, then he uh, wakes everybody up uh, with compound ADH uh, into the airflow system, five parts per million. That gets everybody woken up, and data helps everybody, uh, helps Picard stand up. Uh, status data, energy fields trying to match our shields. And what are our options? Uh, we're too close. Uh, can we go to warp? No. And then the power goes down. And the shields have been penetrated. Systems are frozen. That's when the Paxons speak through Troy and Autotune. And they communicate uh, again. Worf again. This is when Worf strains his Ristipo because he tries to mess with Troy. Loses a thumb war to her. And Picard says, hey, who are you? We're the Paxons. Uh, can't be aware of our existence. Uh, we tried to put you in stasis. So we're going to have to uh, impound you and your ship. Uh, Picard goes, if you do that, they're going to come looking for our ship. That'll defeat your mission. And they'll find you. And they go, No. Ricardo goes, how about this? You allow safe passage and we'll keep it secret. And then they're like, there's a thousand people on this ship. Nobody, no way a thousand people could keep a secret. Guard goes, okay, fair enough. Uh, what about uh, biochemical stasis? Could we erase everybody's memory, short-term memory, synaptic function? And then Troy Toon says, yeah. Okay, well, take everybody's short-term memory out. We'll reset everything. Data won't tell anybody. And we'll act like this never happened. And Troybot says, okay, I think I could do that. He goes, Data, I'm going to give you an unusual order. And uh, Starfleet officer, I have to require, report, follow all your orders. Okay, good. You're, you know, okay, this is important. Never tell anybody nothing about this, even if I order you to. Conceal your knowledge for as long as you exist. Uh, do you understand fully, Data? Completely, sir. Picard turns, satisfied. Troybot says, I'm, I'm satisfied. Good. All right, let's cover this up. Picard, this is so on Picard. He goes, all right, let's cover this whole thing up. Uh, any information that will lead to this incident. Let's get to work. Then we go back to present time. Data is still explaining it. Yeah, we tried to erase it, reset the chronometer. Everybody's memories were gone. And we woke up uh, and it tried to make it look like only five minutes passed or whatever. And here we are. Here we are again, Picard says. Troybot says, your ship failed. The uh, ship's got to go. And Picard goes, the plan failed because clues were left behind that suggested a mystery. And mystery is irresistible. It has to be solved. Uh, the incubation, the wrist, the hallucin, you know, the things, evidence uh, suggested more clues. The clock, the transporter, data. He goes, uh, what if we get rid of those clues and begin again? That could, this could be like a rehearsal. He goes, uh, we learn from our mistakes. Uh, second time we'll succeed. We'll leave no clues. And then Troy says, you're most unusual species. Uh, all right, worthy of a second chance. Uh, proceed. And then the green cloud leaves. Troy falls asleep, then wakes back up as Deanna, you know, Dr. Deanna Troy. Welcome back. And he says, okay, Ricardo goes, so let's uh, implement project cover-up. Uh, and this time, let's get it right. And that's it. And then the Enterprise goes from bottom left to, to uh, top right of the screen. And Picard wakes up. Uh, just like last time, Data helps him. What happened? Uh, effect from wormholes intense, so it would seem. Everyone fell asleep but me, you know, my positronic brain. How long were we out? 30 seconds. Uh, current position, 0.54 parsecs uh, from 285.147. Could be worse, Picard says. Yeah, wormhole's a local phenomenon. Crusher checks in. 
Enterprise went through a wormhole. Entire crew was asleep for 30 seconds. Anyone on the bridge? Everybody okay? Apparently not. Let's check the other decks. Crush her out. Status. Uh, everything looks good with the ship. Uh, no damage. Counselor Troy, general disorientation, but nothing serious. Uh, and Bickard says, okay, what about that Class M planet? Uh, and Data goes, oh boy, I forgot to cover that up. Uh, reply to us, of course. Data says, sir, uh, readings could have been from the wormhole. I recommend against returning. We put the Enterprise in trouble. Riker goes, yeah, let's launch a probe. Data goes, probe it is, but Riker, it was Riker's idea. I didn't realize that. So Picard goes, okay, make it so. And uh, let's Starfleet know there's something weird out there. And he goes, aye, sir, engage. Uh, Then we zoom on Data, who has this amused look on his face, like a kid hiding. I think we got away with it. And the episode comes to a close. Uh, Good night, everybody.